Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Trip writes this. I'm persuaded that the whole purpose of camping is to make a person long for home. And that first day in the woods, putting up the tent is exciting, but three days later, your tent has unpleasant odors you can't explain. It's humid and wet in the tent, and mosquitoes bite and buzz around your ears when you're trying to sleep. You love the taste of food cooked over an open flame, but three days later, you're tired of foraging for wood and irritated by how fast it burns. You are excited at the prospect of catching your dinner from the stream running past your campsite, which is reported to be teeming with trout, but all you have snagged are the rocks on the bottom. After a few days, the ground has gotten harder and harder. Your back hurts. There seems to be no more felled wood to forage. You're now tired, hungry, and in sore. Suddenly, you begin to think fondly of home, thinking, yeah, right, this is the life I'd rather be on at home on my soft bed with my air conditioning. You stand there hoping that someone will break the silence and say, why don't we go home? Your few days in the wilderness have accomplished their mission. They have prepared you to appreciate home. And Tripp adds this, our world is a broken place groaning for redemption. Here is meant to make us long for forever. Here is meant to prepare us for eternity. The longer we live in this world and in this tent, our bodies, the more uncomfortable and unpleasant it becomes. Like tenting, this prepares us to appreciate home. The trials of life, the breaking down of these bodies as our outward man perishes, all have a purpose of making us look forward to home, to the sure hope of heaven, eternal life with Christ, and receiving our glorified, resurrected bodies. Our home and our hope becomes more and more precious to us as we go in life. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1 says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Paul starts out here with words of faith, For we know. He refers not to a wish, not to a possibility, not to some vague hope out there, but to a fixed reality, a settled fact, an unshakable truth based on the promise of God. For we, we refers to believers in Christ. And Paul says, we know. How do we know? Because God has revealed it to us. We know because we trust the Word of God. And God is faithful, and God cannot lie. Earlier in this same book of Second Corinthians, we learn in chapter 1, Verse 20, how Paul writes, For all the promises of God in Christ are yea, or yes, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. So we know because God says it and God has promised it. And the we know is also connected to just a couple verse earlier, verses earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, where he says, Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. 
Our confidence in our resurrection and receiving resurrected glorified bodies is because Christ is risen. The reason we can say we know is because He lives. Because Christ was raised, our bodies shall be raised. In this passage, Paul contrasts our present body with the new resurrected body we will have one day in heaven. Paul says, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved in verse 1. Tabernacle there speaks of a tent. He says earthly house. House speaks of a dwelling. So putting all that together, earthly house of this tabernacle means a tent dwelling. The earthly tent dwelling is our bodies. It's the idea that our souls live in a tent. It's interesting because Paul is a tent maker. And it's interesting how he uses a tent as a picture of our present earthly bodies. A tent is a weak, temporary, fragile, insecure, humble structure. And a tent is not a permanent dwelling. It's a portable dwelling for pilgrims and travelers. So these bodies being referred to as a tent reminds us of two things. One, it's temporary. And two, we're just travelers. We're just traveling through, passing through this life in this tent on our way home. The body which believers possess in this world is the earthly, temporary, fragile, insecure, humble home for the eternal souls of sojourners whose real citizenship is in heaven, whose real home is in heaven. And each believer has the hope of a new body fit for heaven, which will be the eternal home for our soul and our spirit. Paul says that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, dissolved as the idea of torn down, dismantled, folded up. The word dissolved goes with the thought of a tent, of pulling up stakes, tearing down a tent, folding it up, and moving on. And dissolved, of course, speaks of our physical death, the tent of our bodies being taken down at the time of our death. But notice how Paul puts it, though. If our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. He doesn't say when. He says if. The believer in the body of Christ always has the possibility of not dying. If we are alive when Christ returns at the rapture for the church to catch us away to heaven, we will not die. Our bodies will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and will be caught off the earth directly to go to heaven to be with the Lord. So in faith, Paul writes, if, not when, because he really doesn't know if we will die and have these tents taken down in death if we are alive at the time of the rapture. But if not, One day we must pack up our tent, this physical body, and move out. This tent will give way at some point, but we have the sure hope of moving into a permanent structure. As it says there, a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The building of God in verse 1 is the believer's glorified body. One day we'll be moving from a tent to a solid, secure, firm structure of building. The new body is a permanent dwelling. It's eternal in the heavens. Paul said one verse earlier in chapter 4, verse 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Our new bodies are unseen. 
but they are real and it's eternal. The glorified body we will receive will be suited for the glorious environment of heaven and suited to live there for all eternity. That new body, it's never going to weaken. It'll never perish like this body is and like this body does. It will be free forever from sin, sorrow, and death. 1 Corinthians 15, 42-44 describes our new bodies this way. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. The glorified body will be made from this present body. God will raise, transform, and remake our mortal body into one that is fit for heaven, glorified, incorruptible, immortal, powerful, and like Christ's resurrected body. Philippians 3.21 says, Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His, or Christ's glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, We have this building of God. Already, right now, as a present possession. In God's eyes, we already have it. It's as good as done that we will receive one one day. I like how Romans 4.17 says that God calleth those things which be not as though they were. And that's what we see here about our new glorified body. God calling those things which be not as though they were. And it's because God is faithful, absolutely trustworthy that what He has said he will do. And so we have a building of God. And Paul says it's a building of God and house not made with hands. It's a building of God. So God is the one who will raise and transform these bodies and we will receive it from Him. He is the one who will give it to us. We have a definition of not made with hands in Hebrews 9.11 where it says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. So the expression not made with hands means not of this creation. Our present bodies are suited to life on this earth, but our future glorified bodies will not be of this creation. They will be especially designed for life in heaven and for all eternity. The believer's future body is eternal in the heavens and will endure forever in our heavenly home. A woman nearly a hundred years old wrote, This old shell in which I dwell is growing old. I know full well, but I am not the shell. What if my hair is turning gray? Gray hair is honorable, they say. What if my sight is growing dim? I still can see to follow him. What should I care if time's old plow has left deep furrows on my brow? Another house not made with hands awaits me in the glory land. What though my tongue refuse to talk? What though I falter in my walk? I still can tread the narrow way. I still can sing and watch and pray. My hearing may not be as keen as in times past it may have been, but I can still hear the Savior say and whisper soft, This is the way. This outward man do what I can to lengthen out his life's short span, shall perish and return to dust as everything in nature must. The inward man the scriptures say, is growing stronger every day. And how can I be growing old when safe within the master's fold? Ere along this soul shall fly away and leave this tenement of clay, 
This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize. I'll meet you on the streets of gold and prove that I'm not growing old. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. 2 Corinthians is a hardcover, 240-page verse-by-verse commentary written by Pastor Cornelius R. Stamm. It is interesting, indeed, to note how many profound doctrines are discussed in 2 Corinthians, in contrast to all the rebukes, corrections, and instructions found in 1 Corinthians. Two of the greatest of these are the New Covenant and the Doctrine of Reconciliation. May its truths have their God-appointed effect on our lives. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 2 to 3 say, For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. In verse 2, what Paul is basically saying is, I want that house from God, from verse 1. I want that building. I want that permanent structure. I want that body that is not like the one I have right now in this life. The point Paul is showing, too, is that every believer should have a desire to receive their resurrected body at the rapture because the next body is the best. Paul says, for in this we groan. and We moan and groan all the time. I I groan when I open my bills. I groan when I'm hungry. I groan when I eat too much. I groan when I have a job to do that I don't feel like doing. And I groan just from getting up out of bed. Our bodies have aches and pains, and in them we sometimes suffer and we groan. Romans 8.23 says, For even we ourselves, or believers, groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. So it's scriptural to groan. But the groaning here is not merely from the burdens of life or aches and pains we might have. It's from a deep, heartfelt, earnest desire by Paul that he might depart this life by way of the rapture and immediately receive his resurrected body at that time. In his groan, Paul was not expressing a desire for death. It's just the opposite. Paul was eager for Christ to return so he would not have to die and so he would be immediately clothed upon with a glorified body. The new body is called a house in verse 1, and in verse 2 it's referred to as a garment that we are clothed with. It's at the rapture that we will be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven, and or that we will receive our glorified body. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, 
and this mortal must put on immortality. The ultimate for Paul, well, the ultimate for anyone in the body of Christ, is the rapture of the church to go straight from this temporal body to the eternal glorified body. Paul really wanted that new body. He was weary of the limitations, temptations, weaknesses, pains of this body. And he wanted that body of glory and power. He wanted that new body that's suited for the heavenly, suited for eternity, that will be forever perfect and a powerful and a perfect vehicle for the full expression of our transformed new nature within to praise and serve our Lord forever and ever in heaven. After the rapture, we will never be found without a body, according to verse 3. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. It is as verse 1 says that our new bodies is eternal in the heavens. Being clothed with our glorified body, we will never not have that body. We will never die or be separated from it. But also this speaks to the state of those who have died before the rapture. Being found naked doesn't speak of immodesty in the physical sense. Instead, we learn how here how in verses 3 and 4, how if we die before the rapture, our spirit and soul will spend the interim naked or unclothed. In other words, having no body. Those that have died are in a spirit form. There is, however, some spiritual temporary covering for our immaterial being until the time of the rapture for those who are in heaven. Revelation 7 verse 9 speaks of kingdom saints before they've received their resurrected bodies at the first resurrection of prophecy. These people are of all nations and kindreds and peoples standing before the throne of Christ in heaven. And it says they are clothed with white robes. Lazarus and the rich man were in recognizable human forms in Luke chapter 16. And Samuel after his death, when he appeared to Saul, after he died, was recognizable in human form. And he even learned that his personality remained. In 1 Samuel 28, the scripture records how King Saul visited the witch or medium of Endor in order for her to bring Samuel up, that he could consult him as to, like he did when Samuel was alive, and he wanted to consult him as to what he should do with this massive Philistine army that had gathered against Israel. God stepped in by his power and special permission and he allowed Samuel's real spirit to appear to have Samuel pronounce final doom upon Saul. The account shows that the souls of people exist and live in a separate state after death, which as scripture says though, will one day be reunited with this body in the resurrection. Like the spirits of Moses and Elijah who appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord, so the spirit of Samuel appeared to King Saul. Samuel had the form of a human being even in his disembodied state. He was described as an old man and covered with a mantle. Now age and material clothing do not exist in the spiritual and timeless realm of those who have died in, with the Lord. But God miraculously gave such appearances so Saul was able to perceive that this was indeed the spirit of Samuel, the one that he knew. But we also see that the voice, emotion, and personality of Samuel followed him after he died. And this is the part I like. Samuel, when he appears, asks Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? 
Disquieted means to trouble, to disturb your quiet. Samuel's comment expresses agitation caused by Saul's efforts to contact him. Why are you troubling me? Why are you disturbing me? And first, the reason he says that is because it was against God's will and his law that living humanity was not allowed to seek out discussions with the dead, according to Deuteronomy 18.11. But he also says, why are you disturbing me? Because he had been disturbed from his rest. He's annoyed. He's rested. He's annoyed that his rest is interrupted by Saul. It's kind of like when you get annoyed when you're, you're taking a really good nap and the dog barks or the phone rings and, and it agitates you. Uh, nobody likes to have their rest interrupted. This was the case with Samuel, too, in his rest after his death. Samuel was agitated with Saul when he was alive, and he was agitated with Saul after he died. Our emotions and our personality follow us into glory. We don't all become robots and colorless automatons in heaven. Our unique person and our personality remains. You also see memory by Samuel. He remembered Saul. He remembered his sons, he mentions also in that account. And it reminds us that our loved ones remember us in heaven. Pastor Ricky Kurth, the editor of our monthly Bible study magazine, The Brian Searchlight, insightfully wrote in a recent edition about the martyrs who will die during the tribulation period, in that day they will cry out in heaven to the Lord for vengeance. They remember how they died and at whose hand. As Pastor Kurth points out, if people in heaven can feel a righteous emotion like vengeance, then they definitely feel the righteous and pure emotion of love. So our loved ones remember us, and they love us still. The unclothed state of those who have died is only a temporary one until the rapture. This is definitely not a negative or bad state to be in, because Paul goes on to explain in verse 8, Paul has said he's willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Those who have died in Christ are conscious, at rest, and fully enjoying the joys and bliss of heaven and being with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 4 says, For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Paul's groan. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, he says. His earnest desire and burden in both verses 2 and 4 was to go directly from his earthly body to his heavenly body, to go from his tent to being clothed upon with his glorified body without facing death. He's groaning for glory here. And the hope of the rapture is when mortality will be swallowed up of life. Mortality being swallowed up by life is living in our immortal, eternal, glorified bodies with Christ's everlasting life within and dwelling in the full and abundant life and glories of heaven. Paul wanted that life, real life, abundant life. He wanted what is mortal to be swallowed up by the fullness of the perfections of eternal life. He longed for immortal life. 
in his immortal body, and he wanted the full richness of the eternal life which God has prepared for his own. Paul wanted everything to be swallowed up by eternal life, the perfect life in glory. He's saying, I want the fullness of everything God has for me. I want to be literally swallowed up by the fullness of all that eternal life can bring. And may we yearn, like Paul, like that, for the next life, that this mortal, corruptible, and temporal will be swallowed up by that which is immortal, incorruptible, and eternal. And may it motivate us to live for Him and for the eternal in this life. That is the ultimate purpose we have been made for, to be with the Lord and to dwell with Him for eternity, enjoying the fullness of His person and glory forever and ever. On the homepage of our website is a link that says, Ask a Question. If you ever have a Bible question for us or a question about our ministry, please visit our website and click on Ask a Question, type in your question, and hit Submit, and we'll get back to you very soon. Thank you for watching Transformed by Grace. Next time we're going to continue on in 2 Corinthians 5, seeing what Paul says about being absent from the body. The Berean Bible Society was founded over 75 years ago for the sole purpose of helping believers understand and enjoy the Word of God. Our organization holds without apology to all the fundamentals of the Christian faith, and we believe that salvation is by grace through faith alone, based on the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also emphasize the importance of rightly dividing the word of truth and understanding God's word in light of the Pauline revelation for today. Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles, and it is our firm conviction that in his epistles alone, we have the doctrine, position, walk, and destiny for the church of the body of Christ during the present dispensation of grace. The mission of the Berean Bible Society is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ by proclaiming the whole counsel of God according to the revelation of the mystery. Our goals are to evangelize the lost, to educate the saved in rightly dividing the word of truth, to energize the life of a believer, and to encourage the local church. Our ministries include Bible conferences for the study of God's word rightly divided, Berean Bible Society's president, Pastor Kevin Sadler, and other grace speakers have spoken at many such conferences throughout the United States and Canada. The Berean Searchlight, a 32-page monthly Bible study magazine edited by Pastor Ricky Kirk, is sent free of charge to readers in every state of the Union and more than 40 foreign countries. From our website, MP3 Messages, videos, and Bible study articles are available free of charge. A wide selection of books, booklets, tracts, charts, CDs, and DVDs on various subjects are also available for purchase at a reasonable price. And finally, BBS sends out short Bible studies called Two Minutes with the Bible as a daily email. These growing ministries are carried on by the contributions of believers who desire to see others reached with the truth that have brought so much light and blessing to their own lives. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. 
We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.